Welcome to Free Validation, a podcast about California clothes, Chrissy Teigen's cookbook cravings, and many other things. I'm Dave Schilling, and this is my co-host, my number one friend, and my style inspiration, Alana Hope Levinson. Hi, Dave. Hi. This is a dream come true for me, honestly. We've been talking about doing this for probably two years, right? Yeah. I mean, this is sort of just what we do, but now there's going to be people listening, which will appeal to our narcissism. I know. This is this is really just for me to feel like a big, big man, <laughs> and to feel proud of myself. Um, you are really one of my style inspirations. And speaking of style inspirations, since this is our first episode, I want to talk about where style comes from, what style means, and why most of the people you know don't have it. Like literally everyone else, I read the cut feature by Allison P. Davis about the mythical vibe shift. It's a great piece if you haven't read it, but the guy it's about, self-proclaimed trend forecaster Sean Monahan, is not great. I'm sure he's very kind to his mother, but the whole idea of vibes and trends is like the opposite of style to me. Trends are a thing you follow, some rubric for how to live your life, but style is something that you choose that other people follow. To me, style is an exterior representation of your inner life. People with style are honest about who they are. So Alana, I want to find out where your style came from and why you are my style inspiration. So first of all, why are we friends? What is going on here? I don't even know. <laughs> How did we become friends? What is the origin story of this relationship? To go back to vibes, I think I just liked your vibe. I think we were like, oh. This is a cool guy. Yeah, I think so. I think we liked each other's clothes. This divorced man with a two-year-old is cool. Oh, well, there was also that. We were both very, like, broken. Yes. That's probably really why. And we, when we put ourselves back together, didn't we? In terms of relevance to this podcast, we'll do our divorce podcast. That's, that's the second one. Divorce is a style option, a style choice, I think. It, it actually is. I don't know. I don't know a lot of people that like nerding out about fashion as much as we do. Yeah, and I think that's why we have a podcast about fashion now is because it's something that we think about and we talk about just over coffee or something. Like, we're going to talk about how people are dressed and we're going to say probably catty things about some people. But I think more often than not, we're going to say something nice about somebody. And that's why the show is called Free Validation is because we're going to hype people up. We're going to gas people up on this show. It's not going to be a bunch of teardowns. But we will tear some people down if necessary. I think we also have very similar views of what makes someone have great style, which you kind of touched on just now, which is it's an expression of what makes you uniquely you. It's not sort of an embodiment of what is cool outside in the world, if that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of people have different perspectives, but you touched on trends a little bit and vibes. And I feel like I'm not anti-trend on purpose. It just, it's never really come from that for me. Like, I'm inspired by people I see, things I see, movies I watch, songs I hear, experiences I have. You know, it's sort of like, what mood am I curating today from? Who am I going to be? Yeah, because you could be whoever you want, right? Yeah, I love the idea that, like, with fashion, you can just become a totally different person. And I think this is part of why I never got tattoos, actually, even though, like, people are always shocked because, like, I love them on other people. But I like the idea that I can completely morph based on my outfit. Like, I can be some preppy-ass Upper East Side. Actually, you know what? West Coast. Beverly Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) With my designer dog. 
Or I can just be like wearing a sack and look like I'm about to join a cult. I want to ask you where you're from, because California is a big place. We're both from different parts of California, and I think that created different perspectives that we have on style. So tell me where you're from and like what your hometown did to influence your style. Yeah, that's another thing I think that bonded us. We're both California natives, and that has really influenced our sense of style. A lot of people, you know, you're from New Jersey and like you go into the city on the weekends or like your dad works on Wall Street. I don't even really know. I'm making this up, but that's probably what inspires you. And we just have a totally different frame of reference. So I'm from San Francisco and sort of grew up there in the 90s and the early aughts. So this is like before tech really destroyed it. And, you know, my parents were big hippies and moved there in the 70s and like grew up really close to Haight Street. So I actually remember being like allergic to tie-dye growing up and grateful like that look I actually thought was repulsive (laughs) because it was like like it was an act of rebellion to me to think it was lame now I think it's amazing but there's definitely that influence and um I also like (laughs) totally thought I was like a punk and I definitely had like a pop punk phase you know I'm wearing like dickies studded belt but also with like a Lacoste polo that's neon. That was sort of the vibe when I was in high school. So it's like prep on top and punk on the bottom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, it's kind of funny. It's just such a moment in time. Like Green Day totally like blew up, you know, when I was younger. And so there was definitely that like East Bay punk influence that sort of ran through my sense of style. And I definitely think still does, even as it's changed. Like, I'm just, I'm never going to not love a studded belt. Like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Like, I don't give a shit. This is the thing is like, it became trendy. Okay, the look. I'm cringing. Yes, I'm sorry. A studded belt. We have very different sense of style. Like, I absolutely love his sense of style, but we have, they're so different. So Dave, tell me about you and your influence and why you cringe at a studded belt. (laughs) I don't know. I guess I just remember a lot of studded belts in high school and they're just, I I was rebelling against that. I was very prep. I grew up in Merced, which is a small town in central California. And being prep was the cool thing. The punks and the burnouts and the stoners and the people in Jinkos were not cool. Double polo. Remember that trend? I did do it once or twice. I did put two shirts on for no reason. (laughs) Because it's not cold in Merced. There's no need for two shirts, especially when they're identical shirts. (laughs) I don't know what that was about. Not to get too serious, but I am curious if like race played into that at all. Oh, of course it did. Yeah, I wanted to assimilate. Right. You know, I'm biracial, so I was always kind of straddling the line. I was part of the white kid cool prep group but I also wasn't because I looked different than everybody else so it was weird but by wearing that a uniform of the ruling class I could kind of like move my way up the social ladder that was absolutely part of it so I went to Abercrombie I went to J Crew I went to American Eagle those are the places where I shopped I wanted to be a skateboard kid but I have no coordination wow I would have rather died than go to Abercrombie it was a horrible place it reeks Still. Now I like wish that I could go there during its height in the early aughts. It's back. It's coming back. 
Because now they're like just ripping off like Noah and Amy Lee on door and all of the like like Neo prep stuff. Now Abercrombie is like, we're going to do the same photo shoots. We're going to have the same stylist. We'll have the same models. We're just going to steal that swag. And it's working. It's back. Something that's interesting is like at the time, you know, I graduated high school in 2006 in the Bay Area. So the hyphy movement was really big. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> was that ghost riding the whip? Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Mouse okay, remember that? That also definitely very influenced the style. And even the alt kids, we were super into sneakers. We were super into hats. So there was also that, which I, I don't, I have no, I don't want to know what's happening in San Francisco right now. Um, Nothing. I've been there recently. Nothing's happening. It's a lot of Arcteryx puffer jackets and fleeces and stuff. You're going to make me sick on our first podcast. I'm sorry. We're going to have to talk about a lot of unpleasant things on this show. But anyway, it was so funny because it's like, it was a mix, right? So the bottom were like sneakers. Then it goes into Dickies with a studded belt. And then the top is preppy. Like, what What was I doing? There was just a confusion happening. Yeah, but I think that's part of growing up is experimenting and finding the things that you like, the things that are flattering on you, and the things that express the things that matter to you. That's just, that's just how it is. So my question then from that kind of awkward half and half phase, you go to college. Then you change your style, I assume, because I think everybody changes their style in college, right? You know what's interesting? There's a lot of different ways in which I've not been myself throughout the course of my life and have tried. I still feel, though, with my with fashion, I've somehow there's been a common thread. So I would always kind of put my spin on it. But yes, I was in college during the height of indie sleaze, which didn't have a name then. That That's the new trend now, right? Like American Apparel... I hate that it has a name now. I hate it. So yeah, American Apparel was new. All my boyfriends wore a deep V. I wore the leotards with like a tight high-waisted skirt, but also like Amanda Blank and Spank Rock. These are all bands, but like I would also then wear like Air Force Ones. Like I got rid of all my shoes that are now really back in style and I'm kind of mad at myself because I could sell them for hundreds of dollars. But yeah, I had the straight across bangs. I cut myself in the dorms when I was drunk. That was the look. It was looking like you have been up since three in the morning, which in a lot of cases people were. I would wear Celtics jerseys. Oh my God. You were wearing basketball jerseys? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. I know. It's I'm fine. sorry. I certainly tried to dress to impress at that time. I was in college in San Francisco, so we both have a San Francisco connection. Did you stay preppy or what? No, no, no. By then I was like, I'm an artist. I'm I'm a tortured artist. So that was when I was going to like thrift stores and stuff. I spent a lot of time on Hate Street at that time. Mm -hmm. And there was no tie dye or anything like all the head shops and stuff. And, and that idea of like the beautiful hippie past was kind of already going away. San Francisco really at its heart is like a working class blue collar Irish shipping town <laughs> and on top of it is this like weird veneer of bohemia but it's not really as prevalent as you think it's you go you go down hate street and there's just like tam o'shanter or the daniel's pub or whatever like you have to find that stuff and i did my best to find that stuff and i was also into indie sleaze and stuff like that you know 
we went to this club called Pop Scene every Thursday. Oh my God, I used to go there in high school. Yeah. <laughs> they used to let, like they had like an 18, whatever. It was 18 and over, yeah. Yeah, Pop Scene, oh my God. One of my claims to fame is that I was like blackout drunk in high school and they were like, you can't come in here. Like you're really drunk and you're also underage and I talked the guy into it. Oh my God, how did you do that? I, I don't know. We're not uh, endorsing this, by the way. Alada is very proudly sober, yeah. But I think a lot about that night. Yeah, no, I think what you're saying about San Francisco is like totally true, especially my perception of it. A lot of our parents were just sort of like middle class, working class or upper middle class. Like my mom's an insurance agent, single mom. And I think a lot of them came here, but they're all like the boomers that sold out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, my mom talks about being on Hate Street without shoes, but now she drives an SUV. This is where we're all going, honestly. Like Exactly. And I see that tendency in myself, too. Um, I also, it's funny you bring up vintage shopping because I, I have to just get this out there. Almost everything I wear is vintage <laughs> and not in like a cool way. Like I don't love going to really, really curated vintage stores where they're selling stuff that I could find at the Goodwill bins for 25 cents for $200. But I've been doing that since, to me, that was just shop going to Goodwill, Salvation Army. Even then in high school, I was obsessed with it. You're sort of like a fashion freegan, like you're dumpster diving for things. And you know what? <laughs> I was like, don't go on the sustainability rant. <laughs> I do just love the hunt. I love the thrill of finding things. But I also do really like the the idea that like things aren't going to waste, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, I won't go on this whole rant. But that does appeal to me. when you, When we talk about why I'm anti-trend, it's because... I've been in the skincare space. I'm definitely in the trend space. And it is a prison in which you constantly have to buy new things and never really use the thing to its extent before a new thing comes that you need to have. And everything is of lower quality. And what's great about like uh, thrifting is that you're finding these pieces that are way better made and just like can sort of stand the test of time and aren't like designed to be thrown out in two months well first of all you are glowing today i wish everyone could see how good alana's skin looks well thank you it's like a, a beautiful ceramic plate <laughs> i want to eat off your face <laughs> i mean you your skin is great too it's not um but thank you <laughs> um i think that everyone should spend some time going to thrift stores because that's where you figure out part of who you are because everything is there. It's a mess, right? They're not well organized. They're not designed for you to like find stuff. You know, you go to like a real store, not a real store, that's not fair, but like a retail store, you know, like a real store where like real people shop. No, like a, like you go to a retail store and they're trying to get your eye to move in a certain direction. People get paid a lot of money to organize and, and design these stores to encourage you to buy stuff. Thrift stores are not like that. They're like, well, we got shoes, we got pants, and we got shirts, and good luck. We also might have some old VHS tapes of MASH. <laughs> I think you're describing why I love thrifting so much and why you know we talk about personal style. Going thrifting with someone is a great way to see it. Like, Or even just for yourself, what are you responding to and why? And often... You know, I, I love trying to take my mom thrifting because she hates it for this very reason. 
you know, I'm like, why do you like that? Or like, why are you responding to that? And like, people are so used to relying on trends. I love your mom, by the way. She's great. Sue Levinson. She definitely influenced me. Like she always, you know, single mom. Like I cannot believe her cute little, like she was so into like dressing professionally. She had her little suits, like never could tell how hard she worked based on her presentation of just like seamless beauty. But anyway, enough about her. Back to me. That's what this is about. This show is about you and me. When you go thrifting with someone, or even if you haven't gone, like just notice it can be weird because yeah, there isn't like a, a stylist or marketer. I don't know. I forget the name of the job of the people who curate like where things go in stores, but like telling you what things you should like. You're just kind of going off of what you like. And it's really eye-opening. People who are really stylish, but like they're just basically like copying what they see other people do on Instagram or whatever, like have trouble in thrift stores that are not curated because they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to like. Yes. You're not supposed to like anything other than what you like. And that's hard for people. You're hundred percent right. It's, it's daunting to go to a place like that and uh, not have the comfort of the curation. Right. Or even not relying on brands. I mean, I love brands, which is, you know, another thing. Like, I'm absolutely obsessed with, I think, all the same designer stuff that Dave is, but I just refuse to pay full price for it. So I'm either outlet or I'm, I I actually really like vintage designer stuff, not just because it's cheaper, also because of, you know, the look and um, it's just different. But there's a lot of brands when you're thrifting you don't know, right? Like you're not like seeing like an Everlane. I mean, maybe you are seeing an Everlane shirt, but I think that you don't have brands to like guide you, right? Like, oh, this is a cool brand. I'm going to get this. Sometimes it's a texture. It's a fabric. It's a color. Yeah, it's a tactile experience. And I don't do thrifting anymore. But what I do all the time is scroll through the Real Real app, which if you don't know what this is, you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, but the Real Real app is curated luxury consignment and i have so much stuff from there and it's probably not as good for the environment as just going to a thrift store because they're packaging it and you know sending it off in the mail and stuff but i do feel slightly better about not buying from zara or some bullshit like that but i have like three or four gucci blazers vintage gucci blazers from there i have I bought multiple tuxedo jackets. Now I have like a tuxedo because I just bought stuff and either, you know, sometimes they're too small, sometimes they're too big, but I take it to a tailor and I'm, I'm probably paying the difference in what I'm saving a little bit in alterations, but I'm paying less than what I would pay retail. And I think I look good. And things were better made back then without getting into like, you know, the details of why I'm sure there's a there's a there's a big more in-depth investigative podcast about how things are made now but yeah like the quality is different I mean the things that I the things that I wear I will touch them and I'll be like this shouldn't feel this good this is wrong I'll just rub my thighs on my pants I'm like this is nice I like this but I also know, I mean, you love going into like a very high-end boutique and I know that you're like a VIP at Mohawk General Store here in LA, like, which is so funny. We need to do that because I don't really do that. So I'm going to take you to Mohawk General Store and we're going to do a review on an episode and you can tell me whatever you think about it. You're allowed to hate it. 
But what I like about the in-person boutique shopping experience is the connection that you have with people. And when I walk into a store, if I go there a lot, they're like, oh, we have this Dries Van Noten thing or we have this Jacques Mousse shirt. We know you're going to like this. I feel like there's this rapport that can develop in the same way that you might have a rapport with a hairstylist or whatever it is. It's nice to have that because we're, we live in a world without connections. The connections are not formed in person anymore. Um, they're formed on the internet. I would like to have more of those experiences where people know me. You know, my favorite pinball bar, everybody knows me. My favorite store, clothing store, everybody knows me. That's how it should be. Yeah. And as someone who worked retail, I mean, I love the art of, you know, they probably know what you like now and you have special relationships and no discounts yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. When you're real, well, you know, I don't know about VIPs getting discounts. If you're such a VIP, you don't need one, baby. Listen, yeah, I'm an important writer for the LA Times. I'm a local celebrity now. Okay. Okay. We've talked a lot about places, things, objects. We haven't talked about people. I want to know the human being that is your style inspiration because you are mine, but I want to know who yours is. I'm not fully taking all the credit. I'm sure you've got some other ones that are a little more famous than me. Yes, but you are the only one that uh, gasses me up in return. So thank you. Well, I don't think that there's one person that I'm just like every outfit they wear. Like, like I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, that character, what they're wearing blows me away. And I'll, and I'll take a little from that and a little from this. But, you know, when we were talking about this question before, I did say Motley Crue era Tommy Lee. <laughs> I think this is a great answer. That's what I'm feeling right now. Obviously, I think it's constantly evolving based on whatever, whatever weird like gender vibes are happening. But, you know, I watched the horrible Pam and Tommy series. And obviously, this is not an endorsement of Tommy Lee and his abuse. But I just like looked at old photos of him when he was young. And just like the hair, the spandex. I mean, it's it's that's that is me. I mean, we dress the same. When you showed up at my house yesterday, what was I wearing? Spandex and a, and a shirt. Yeah. And your hair was all fucked up. Yeah, exactly. But this is, to me, the quintessential Los Angeles style. Is that kind of sunset strip, sleazy, glamorous look. That's what LA really is. Even if it's not specifically that, it's in the DNA of LA. Is that, like, distressed glamour. I love that look. Like, I love looking like I've been up all night, like, partying on the Sunset Strip, and I'm just, like, about to literally die, you know? And it's a different look than doing that, like, at the Chelsea Hotel in New York. It's a very different look. Yeah, I think most people actually are distressed in New York. (laughs) Like, they are having a nervous breakdown of a sort. Here, it's sort of like a choice. You know, oh, I'm I'm too relaxed to care. And I think that that is just intrinsic. There, you can't pull that out of Los Angeles, that, that relaxed glamour thing. And that's, I think, you know, a lot of New Yorkers, that's their criticism that no one has style here. But I don't think they get that part of the style is not really giving a shit. That's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like... Everyone cares so much 
in other in in the other style capitals of the world that it feels like too much like you're like you're squeezing a piece of coal to turn into a diamond and you're just kind of like cutting your hand <laughs> instead of doing anything it should feel effortless and the people who really have style no matter where they live they make it look effortless they don't seem uncomfortable their clothes fit they walk with a certain purpose they have a certain aura when they go into a room like you can't have that if you're trying really hard there's nothing cool about trying too hard <laughs> i'm sorry and you know i lived in new york for seven years right and i think maybe it was some of the worst style years of mine just because like i was i don't think i was dressing like myself as much i wasn't wearing a lot of color which is crazy that's like my whole thing like that's insane to me and part of this might just be now I'm in my 30s. It might not be like related to the place, but like I was like, I would never leave my house in like my PJs or like athleisure or like workout clothes. Like I just in New York to me, like that felt. But you can't, you can't. Now I can't imagine, honestly, like I'm so comfortable in my, I fucking love athleisure. It's not for me, but that's fine. This brings up my last question. What is the one thing in your wardrobe you can't live without your favorite thing it can be shoes accessories whatever but what is that thing that you cannot ever part with that's a really hard question i know that's why i asked it do you know what yours is yeah it's probably my gucci loafers mm. they're truly the most comfortable shoe i've ever worn in my life i love mine i just can't get over them I'm very proud of the fact that I paid retail for mine. See, you're proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I got them for $250 at the outlet. This is why we're the perfect pair. Two sides of the same coin. Now answer my question. Okay. You know what? So when I got really into thrifting and I started hanging out at the bins and the bins is basically a Goodwill outlet. Here in LA, it's on San Fernando, and it's like basically you go in, you pay by the pound. <laughs> it's like a seafood place in Astoria. Like you pay by the pound. I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. And all the vintage dealers like go there, and that's how they make their money. They buy like I mean, I got a Nirvana t-shirt, like a real one, there for 25 cents that I could sell. You know what I mean? Like that's how you make your money. But I just go there because I love the thrill of the hunt, and I also love watching you know other people do it. And anyway, I, you hang out there long enough and you start making friends. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Human connections are important. Yeah. And I made friends with one guy who was like a artist, retailer, like old Japanese man. And he sort of like took me under his wing and he was basically like applying this really like Zen sort of philosophy to this where he was like, there's nothing here you can't some at some point find again. So just relax, right? Because people get really upset there and they want to punch people out over t-shirts and it's insane. And he's just like, this is just clothes. Like it'll come back. And he's like, you do this long enough and you realize the things you really covet and you think you'll never have again and you can't live without, you'll find it again. Which is kind of like really <laughs> like affected my philosophy on a lot of things, but like definitely changed my perception of clothes because I'm like, I love my Gucci loafers too, but like you can always find them again. Like, have you ever lost some, like a piece of clothing that like devastates you and you're just like, I, I what am, what, what am I going to do? You know? And it's like, it wasn't clothing. It was a chair, it was an orange desk vintage. Fuck loses a chair. I didn't lose it. I was made to give it up. 
My ex-wife said, you got to give up this vintage chair. I don't know where to put it. I don't like it. So we gave it away. And four years later, like two months ago, I found it at a vintage furniture store on Santa Monica Boulevard. I paid way more for it this time, but it had been reupholstered. And I was like, this was meant to be. This is literally the same chair because it had the same sun damage from me leaving it on the porch because my ex-wife didn't want it. And I was like, this is it. I was shocked. Wow. But so I guess what I'm saying is I think what I really covet, I can't get again, which is jewelry. Um, that's like, I, I'm very obsessed with accessories, which we could do a whole thing on. But my ring collection is insane. I don't even know if you've seen this, Dave. Like I have this like insane and a lot of it is costume but like the thing I love about jewelry is just like the story that it tells especially vintage jewelry and like one-of-a-kind stuff right so you know my dad who's a very interesting character like was actually in fashion for a lot of his life has these like rings that he gave to me and my brother that he's had since he was young my dad is the kind of guy who wears an amethyst pinky ring and it is now my ring and it's, he designed it. So it's an amethyst and it's two naked women holding the amethyst up. And so like, that's something like I legitimately couldn't wear, live without. Like, can you tell right away? No. But when I have that on my pointer finger, like in a meeting, it just gives me the power of like a great suit or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't wear a lot of jewelry. I do have one ring and it's a James Bond ring. <laughs> oh my god is that what it is specter yeah it's very silly i could not live without that i i would be sad. jewelry maybe because it's a part of like your skin yeah you wear it so close to your body I think. oh and you can pass it on i mean look my son is gonna love my james bond ring <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he's gonna love everything yeah well one thing hopefully that you can't live without folks is this podcast because we are going to be doing this every week I guess yes. I really like how you found that little. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a host. It's in my bones. Uh, so hopefully, you want to continue to join us on our personal style journey. Leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Tell a friend or twelve, whatever you want to do. But please join us again next week. We'll have guests. We're gonna talk more about our fashion. I'm gonna try to get more about this naked lady ring <laughs> that Alana has. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I, I mean, we're going to talk about our own fashion inspiration, but also dive into great West Coast fashion topics, tie-dye, ugly sandals. The Uggs episode is going to be crazy. Yeah, that is. And we're going to bring on some of our most stylish West Coast guests to help yes. us parse why this coast is the best coast. Absolutely. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.